for our next interview, which is uh, about a piece of artwork that aired um, on uh, Saturday uh, in Wellington Harbour. And Mike Ting is the artist behind the uh, installation. Um, and for people who got on the ferry to go across the bay uh, to Eastbourne, they were treated to a, um, an extraordinary piece of artwork um, which commemorates the, the life of Kim Lee. And I started by asking uh, Mike about Kim Lee's life. Well, in fact, Kim Lee is a fairly mysterious character. There's not a lot known about him. Um, he came to New Zealand sometime in sort of the late 19th century and he worked in the market garden in the Hutt Valley for quite a while. Um, and then at some stage he um, started a business in Adelaide Road, um, a fruit and veggie shop, and he was diagnosed as having leprosy in July 1903. And he was removed to Soames Island pretty much immediately, within a couple of days, and who diagnosed him? Did uh, he go to a doctor or was it just... No, he, he was actually, uh, from what we know, he was actually reported. So someone basically essentially dobbed him in and then on a Saturday in 1903 he heard a knock on the door and it was a, I think it was a public health inspector called somebody Doyle and he immediately got two doctors to come and take a look at him and they said, no, this guy's got leprosy. And he was off on the boat to Somes Island. So essentially they kidnapped him and put him on a boat and stuck him on an island? Um, I suppose I was thinking it was. it's very much like um, the way Ebola is treated now. Ah, uh, OK, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. A, it's a big public health issue. Yeah. So he was put on the island and at some point in time he was separated from the other prisoners, uh, the other inmates, I should say, um, People out there had scarlet fever, that kind of thing. But they took a dislike to him because of how he, possibly because of his race, possibly because of how, how, of how he looked, uh, because he had lesions on his body and his legs. And he was put on Mokapuna Island, which is the little rock just north of Simon's Island. And again, I don't think we're too sure about how long he actually spent on Mokapuna Island, uh, but it would have been at least a couple of months, I would say. And, and how did you uncover this story and, and get inspired to do this, this piece of art? Um, I was trying to remember that the other day. Um, when I was at Massey doing fine art in 2006, I think it was, a fellow student of mine told me about the story. And at the time, I'd been looking at, at for some reason, I'd been looking at, on YouTube at, at James Bond and Bruce Lee movies. Um, but, but something clicked, and I was just thinking in terms of the baddies always live on islands. And they always have these big, humongous white cats as well. And that kind of appeals to me. And then I thought, oh, this guy lived on the island too. And so this idea started to sort of gestate in my mind about doing some kind of artwork there. Um, and being, you know, Chinese myself too, there was sort of something telling me that there, that there could be something quite good there. So in about 2008, actually, I sort of got to the point where I was applying for funding for it, but I didn't get the funding at the time because it was 2008 and the world had just yeah. turned upside down pretty much. Um, so it just sat for a bit, and in the meantime, it just gestated away, really. But going back to Kim Lee, uh, really, he, sort of, he was there, there on the island. He got sort of... He was getting better. The Evening Post actually said he was getting better about a month before he died. Um, but then he actually died on on the 14th of, of March, uh, 1904. 
And this is the anniversary of And this is the 111th anniversary of his death. And tell yeah. me about the artwork then. What, what happened yesterday? I was there, but for the benefit of people at home. Um, what happened was that um, you got on the East by West Ferry, which goes from um, Queen's Wharf to Days Bay, and you go up to the harbour, and then you, when you go past Mokopuna Island, the ferry skippers, who were great, got as close as they could to the island, and then they would cut the engines or go into idle for about 40 seconds, and you would hear this kind of maniacal, sick laughter and then the boat will just continue on its journey so what I was hoping for is to get some kind of actual well to get a kind of visceral reaction so I was trying to engage the body through through this laughter um, and the laughter wasn't in any way at all um, it wasn't a funny com- comedic laugh it was actually the laugh the last gasp of a dying man essentially that's the kind of effect that I wanted there were three voyages. Apparently, each voyage, each voyage had quite a different um, vibe to it. Um, but I wasn't there. I was actually on the island at the time. Um, so, who was doing the the acting? Who was laughing? Okay, uh, that's a guy that I went to um, art school with. A guy called Ari Hallandorn, mm. and he's uh, a pretty good up and up and coming artist at Sweet Gallery. But he's done a lot of performance too. And Ari just had the right kind of sound that I wanted so we actually had been practicing out by the airport for about sort of um, three or four months or so so what did that look like how, how practicing in terms of the lap yeah 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 although Ari kind of got it first time because yeah. he had been thinking about it for a few weeks and he understood it and what was your brief to him what did you say um, I told him the backstory and I told him how long I wanted the laughter to be and I told him that it wasn't a funny laughter, it was like a tragic laughter. Um, and he just took it on board and he understood it straight away. I did actually try another guy who's um, a good friend of mine, who's an actor, but he had real trouble with it, which just goes to show, you know, um, how, how difficult these things are and how nuanced they can be. Mm. You know, either, you either kind of understand, I suppose, my headspace or you don't. Yeah. You said before as well that it, this, the practising was just one part of it, that it, there was actually quite a lot of work in the lead-up to it. What, what, what was that like? Well, there was a publication that went with this work. So when you got off the ferry at Queen's Wharf, you were given a publication that had three essays in it. Mm. Um, so that obviously required quite a bit of work. Um, so it was one, by, one essay by Angela Kilford, who's a recent Master's graduate from Massey in Fine Arts, uh, Martin Patrick, who lectures up there, and myself. So they were all about talking about art, um, talking about the context that this work operates in. And then my essay was where I was pretending I was Kim Lee uh, writing a first-person essay about what it was like to be on the island. But the idea with my essay was that he was, even though he was, he was stuck on an island which is about you know, 70 metres long, mm. He still went on a kind of mental journey. So first it was just pure stress and, and, and pain. But then he had to sort of... He got to the point we could actually, where he could actually address that pain and, and look at himself in a way that he's never looked at before. And through that he actually, in my mind, through that he actually grows 
So it's gone from a position of, of horrible isolation to a position that a lot of, um, you know, say philosophers like to go to, and that's a position of solitude, where they're kind of alone with their thoughts uh, and they develop their mental life. So that was a way that I could kind of talk about actually the contemporary situation the way I see it um, and also try and recover something of the humanity of, of Kim Lee so Maysay also has, also has a couple of sort of slightly humorous bits too to give him that kind of um, humanity back Why is that important to you? That giving him humanity back? Yeah When you read the limited news accounts um, he just seems totally disposable you know he just didn't seem like he was a human being and you have to sort of bear in mind too that back then there was a lot of anti-Asian feeling as well you know quite obvious anti-Asian feeling in, um, in local newspapers and sort of general public sentiment so you know just sticking someone on a, on a rock um, away from the other inmates is a kind of othering from the others you know and you can't get kind of worse than that um, so to me, I was just trying to say, well, you know, this guy's actually a human, and let's sort of make it obvious he's a human mm. because he's got humour. He's got, he tries, he makes fun of the doctor. You know, that's his little act of resistance. So it's those little, it's those little sort of micro gestures that, that, that showed he was a human and the fact that he was trying to grow his inner life as well mm. showed that even though he was being put down, he still had that freedom in the mind. So the relevance of, of that today, can you mm. talk to me a bit about that? Yeah, um, I know so many people who actually um, are struggling right now. You know, um, mostly middle class people going to the supermarket, they're just hideously expensive. And there's a lot of people on, I know people on who've been put on casualised labour, um, zero hour work contracts. So it's this general kind of I don't like to use the term, but it is a kind of um, neoliberal time that we live in. Um, we, everything's basically monetarised. And um, I kind of, personally, I think it's us about face. You know, for me, money should be working for society, not the other way around. So that's what my work's about. Um, you know, I've definitely got an opinion, uh, but I tried very hard not to tell people what to think. Um, I tried to just... In the booklet, I just tried to pre present facts as they are. So my work engages with um, um, social science quite a lot, even though I'm studying philosophy. And I did that because philosophy is sort of, it's often um, conjecture, and you can say, well, that's just what you think. Well, that's fine. Uh, but when you actually have social science to back you up and say, well, these are the actual statistics, and this is what's happening, then that reinforces your philosophy quite a bit. You mentioned that the, the the boats were very different. What was the apparently? Best, yeah. What was what, what was the take that there was there? Um, I haven't really spoken a lot to my volunteers about that, but on wine sailing after the performance, there was a lot of discussion about what what the work meant, which yeah. was which was absolutely perfect. Yeah. You know, so so on the way back, and they had that time to discuss it yeah. uh, before they were given the booklet, I, and I, that was really important because I want people to think for themselves. So between the performance and the book, it was about 20 minutes or so. So they had that time to discuss it, um, come up with ideas, what they thought. And they were told very little before they actually got on board the boat? No, they were told nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a few people knew about Kim Lee, yeah. but most people knew, 
knew nothing about it whatsoever. Right. Like, I guess when you know you're going to see an art piece, yeah. you're kind of like mentally primed for it. Yeah. So the moment you get on the boat, I think that's when the art started because they're put in a... It's essentially the installation was Wellington Harbour. So they go into this installation and then the focal point of it is this is this, is this laughter. I've got two questions. One is about your own personal experience and how, um, how that and your, perhaps your, um, your studies in philosophy and how that's informed the art. The other is about James Bond and Bruce Lee. Oh, um, right. So um, perhaps we'll start with, with the James Bond and the Bruce Lee first. You mentioned that that was one of the inspirations. Yeah, the uh, only in a very light way. It was just purely the fact that um, I just really enjoyed how the baddies always lived on islands and um, how they were really, really, really competent organisers. But they had real trouble actually killing James Bond when they had him in their, <laughs> had him in their hands. They like, had to torture him somehow, and then he gets away. So, um, but that kind of went by the wayside quite, quite rapidly. It was just the island thing was just, just sort of took over. And um, as far as Bruce Lee goes, in Enter the Dragon, there's a bit where he's on a boat going out to an island for the big, the big fight kind of thing. And I was just slightly interested in that because one of the principal bad guys is meant to be a New Zealander. And um, nobody can understand what he says on the boat, which I found really interesting. <laughs> um, so, so, but and that kind of tickled my fancy too. So, I think actually, when I think about it, those I, those things introduced the idea of laughter into the piece. But then, because it's actually quite a tragic story, it couldn't be a comedic laugh. It had to be some kind of tragic laugh. And that's as far as I got with it. In about 2008. Yeah. Uh, but then I started doing this philosophy um, um, stuff. My art practice was very much based on... I'm sort of quite concerned about how New Zealand's going. I think we're sort of going to hell in a handbasket, basically. And we have been since the early 80s. And my work is essentially about, about that. It was initially about ways of resisting that. So I started out being quite, quite didactic. You know, I sort of it was... Um, pointing the finger a little bit but then I realised pretty soon that just made really really bad art and so I started looking into this into the sort of background of it, of it. and um, a lot of because of the crash because of um, George Bush a lot of philosophers were looking at this too and a few philosophers were looking at how art interacted with this, these kind of issues so I started reading them and got sort of quite interested and one of them introduced the idea of he was talking about resistance but then he was also talking about emancipation so uh, it's this, this concept of sort of like I think sort of true equality not just it's not just spoken about it's actually sort of lived in some way that just led me into sort of more and more philosophy I just became really really interested in it and so that and because I was doing art as well I just the two things just came together and that's where I am at the moment. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty satisfied with things because I've, I've, got, well, I've got an art practice now which um, has got a really strong um, conceptual base in my mind. Mm. And that's, I just want to sort of continue from there yeah. pretty much. So is this the first artwork that you've done from that conceptual base, from, the, from this philosophy that you've been, uh, like where you are at not, the moment? Not really. I had something at the Fringe Festival uh, a couple of years ago, yeah. um, which is on my blog site. It's a video. Um, you start with a shot of New Zealand's first state house in Strathmore. And um, 
there's a guy dressed in a suit and he's moonwalking in front of it and he does it eight times and that was called Brighter Future which was referring to John Key's catch line and I think it was the, in the 2011 election yeah. he was always talking about a brighter future so I'm saying well okay it's great we've, but we're, you know, I set up this context of, 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 a, of a social mm. environment a socially democratic environment which is what New Zealand used to have but I've got this guy who's trying really hard sort of walking in front of it and he's looking forward all the time but in fact he's going backwards so that's what that and it was kind of like poetic it was a tragicomic bit of poetry really and that's the comedy in there is what um, yeah kind and of comedy is, too is the guy moonwalking yeah so what next then do you have a plan for for i know we're kind of on the just it's like the day after you've had your yeah the makapuna island piece but do you have a plan for um uh, the next piece of work yeah i've got quite a few things yeah. in, the pi- in the pipeline uh one is my own residency um, Where are you resident? Um, well, I, I'm actually running the residency. Mm. That's what I've decided to do. That sounds exciting. Um, and it's just going to be from um, my kitchen table, essentially. Really? Yeah, there's a few... I, I don't want to tell you too much about it. OK. Um, but it will be up fairly soon. Yeah. Um, so everything about it is is different from most residencies. Well, yeah, it's sounding alternative already. If people are listening and they want to find out more about it, whereabouts can they go? They'll have to go on Twitter, Mike yeah. Ting. Yeah, it'll be on that okay. at some stage. What's your handle? Is it just Mike Ting? Yeah, Mike Ting. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I've got that. That on. That's going to be on the go. That'll be an ongoing thing. Um, and I've got in my mind um, some more videos coming up that deliberately meant to be humorous, mm. um, and they're sort of talking about multiculturalism. But again, I think I've got quite a different take. On multiculturalism from most, from most people, I think most most stuff, most artwork that I've seen in that area, often it tends to be being a victim, and talking about the pain of being a victim, you know, a victim of racism, whatever, which is fine because I think it's a good, it's you know, it's cathartic for those people. You've got to get it out of your system. I mean, I did stuff like that, but then you know, I think you've also got to actually, you know, well think think about about the justice of that, you know, and to me, well, you know, if you get called something in the street, there's no justice in that. So then you go, well, what's my attitude to that? And my attitude is, well, you know, if you don't like me being here, you piss off. So that's where I want to go with that. And that's also to do with the, with the emancipation thing as well. So instead of being, you know, tolerated, you know, like people talk about we tolerate poor people. Some people say we tolerate poor people. You know, we tolerate um, people from other countries. Yeah. We, don't, we don't actually, that's, that's not the way to go. We actually want equality. They want equality, which is a different thing altogether. Mm. Yeah. Um, tolerance is just putting up with something that you don't actually find very pleasant if you look it up in the dictionary. Yeah. So um, I want to do, believe it or not, some funny works about that. 